I want you to go with me to John chapter 20, would you? John chapter 20 this morning. A man by the name of Mel Blanc, who lived from 1908 to 1989, had these words inscribed on his tombstone. This is his epitaph. That's all, folks. Sound familiar? It was the trademark line of the famous motion picture character you all love and know, Porky Pig. Mel Blanc provided the voice for that famous cartoon character for many years. Here's another epitaph. Might surprise you whose this is. My Jesus, mercy. That was the epitaph of Al Capone. Some people write their own epitaphs and insist that these are inscribed on their tombs. Others we're not so sure of, like the epitaph of a man named Matthew Mudd from Massachusetts. It reads, Here lies Matthew Mudd. Death did no hurt to him. Did him no hurt, sorry. Matthew Mudd. Death did him no hurt. When alive, he was only mud, but now he's only dirt. For some, the epitaph on their tomb is like their parting word to the world, their last words from the grave. In the text of John 19 last week, we saw the account of the burial of the body of Jesus, but there would be no epitaph on Jesus' grave. No last words from the grave of Jesus. Read most biographies, and at the end, the conclusion is that the person is dead and buried. The body of Jesus was dead and buried, but his story was not over. There would be no epitaph for Jesus' grave, dead and buried, but not gone. Praise God. Let's read the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from John's perspective. John chapter 20. Follow along as I read through verse 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. 
And verse 11 says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And verse 16 says, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. There would be no epitaph on the tomb of Jesus, praise God. Far better than an epitaph, he rose from the dead. He rose on the third day, and in the passage before us, he gives far better than final words on stone. He speaks precious words to Mary, Mary Magdalene. He speaks them to her and his disciples. There are precious words that we hear in this passage from Jesus Christ. They are from his lips, and they were meant for the encouragement and strengthening and instruction of those to whom they were spoken, and they are also meant for our encouragement, for our strengthening, and for our instruction, because obviously God saw fit to include these words for us in his word. We aren't told everything Jesus spoke to his followers after his resurrection, but what we do hear from Christ in his word is, is very precious. The first words we hear from Jesus after his resurrection are the words we see in our text. And they come shortly after Mary Magdalene and Peter and John discover that Jesus' body is missing from the tomb. Verse 1 tells us that it was the first day of the week. Do you see it there? When Mary Magdalene came very early, it was still dark then, coming perhaps to, to finish the anointing of Jesus' body, possibly to ask the soldiers to move the stone for her since she would not have been able to do it herself. Remember, Jesus' body was placed in a tomb hurriedly before the close of daylight, the end of day, on the, on the three days preceding. First words we hear from Jesus here on this first day of the week. Verse 1 says that it was the first day of the week. It's interesting that it doesn't say it was on the third day after Jesus was buried, but the first day of the week. And we gather together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Easter Sunday, every Sunday. You realize that? We gather together on the first day of the week. 
to celebrate the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The other gospel writers tell us that there were other women who came to the tomb also, likely with Mary Magdalene. But throughout this gospel, John's purpose has been to show us evidence that upon seeing it, we would we would realize that Jesus is who He says He is. He is God in human flesh, and that seeing, we would believe. And so that is John's purpose here, and he does not include the other women. He mentions only Mary Magdalene. She's going to see and believe, and John wants to share that with us. John's going to show us that in verse 18 especially. So let's see what Jesus has to say here that we might hear and believe, see and believe. First we see Mary and the disciples. They come to the tomb and we see some something other than total faith in Christ. you notice that in them? They don't come to the tomb looking for the resurrected Jesus. They come to the tomb looking for the buried Jesus. They would soon learn that Jesus had risen from the dead, but at first they did not even think of the resurrection. They didn't even think that it would be possible. We can see it in how Mary Magdalene's response when when she sees the stone had been taken away from the tomb, do you see her surprise, her shock, her even a, a mournful, mournful words from her? Mary's first response was not one of rejoicing, was it? That that Jesus had risen from the dead, you would you would think that we would be rejoicing over. If that had been me, I would have been rejoicing. Jesus, right? I mean, we would have we would have rejoiced that Jesus was risen from the dead. Maybe not. Maybe not. I have a feeling that we would be more like Mary Magdalene than, than we think. Interesting to note here that Mary wasn't even thinking of the possibility of, of resurrection. Look at verse 2 again. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other dis- disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and this is John's way of uh, speaking about himself without using his own name, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. That all says grave robber, not resurrection, right? She was thinking more along the lines of hoodlums who had come to rob the grave. And these two disciples weren't any different other than that they had to see it for themselves, so they ran to the tomb. We're told that John outran Peter and got there first, but didn't go in. He just kind of ducked his head in to see where Jesus' body had been laid. He he tells us in verse 5 that he saw the linen cloths lying there. When Peter got to to the tomb, he went right on in, passed John by and went right into the tomb. And what he saw upon entering the tomb, we find in verses 6 and 7. It says in verse 6, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Both Peter and John, eyewitnesses to the fact that the cloths that had wrapped the limbs and the torso of Jesus' body and his head were laying there without the body. (laughs) The linen cloths that had been used to wrap Jesus' body were just lying there, and the face cloth was Folded up by itself, this isn't the work of grave robbers, is it? I mean, grave robbers, for one thing, those were costly pieces of cloth and linen. They either would have stolen them or they would have ransacked the place stealing the body if that's what they would would have been doing. They, They would have stolen this expensive cloth that had been used by Joseph and Nicodemus to prepare Jesus' body 
and placed in a tomb, or they would have just left them in a mess. Nor would they have taken the time to fold the face cloth. Now this, along with the fact that the tomb is empty, is more evidence of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now while some might speak by way of an epitaph, a tombstone engraved with their final words, Jesus speaks in his absence. He speaks in his absence from the tomb. And know what happens when John sees the tomb is empty. Look at verse 8 again. It says in verse 8, Then the other disciple, again, he's talking about himself, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. Now the idea here in the statement that John saw in the original language meant that he saw or or perceived intelligently. John sees the empty tomb and it says here he saw and believed. What did John believe if he did not yet have a full revelation and understanding of Scripture that proclaimed that Jesus would rise from the dead. Think of it. John looked at the empty tomb. He saw the empty grave cloths that were lying there, and in the context of chapter 20, it seems that John simply believed that Jesus was alive. Later, he would believe in the resurrection of Christ because of the Scriptures. But we're told here that, that the Scriptures had not yet, in a way, the way we understand it, had not yet dawned on them that the, the truth of the, revelation, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ applied here. Right now, he's looking, and he sees, and he believes because there is physical evidence. Later, he would say, blessed are those who have faith without physical evidence. He sees the physical evidence and he believes. There's an important order of belief seen here which points to the resurrection of Christ. We're going to see it later when others see the resurrected Christ also. When they saw him, when they have the physical evidence, the living, breathing evidence of the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when they saw him, they believed. When they see the resurrected Christ, they believe. Later, they would believe the scriptures which foretold of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Later, they would say, oh, look, the scriptures foretold of Jesus' resurrection. Praise God, as we do, right? Because we know Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And look, the scriptures proclaim that it would be so. And it was, and it is. And the order in which they believed is important because had they first believed in the prophetic scriptures, then they might have been accused of manufacturing the resurrection of Christ. Had they, had they understood and fully believed in the, in the prophecy of scripture that, that Jesus would rise from the dead, they might have been accused first of saying, well, they believed that he would rise from the dead and they took his body to make it so. But they didn't. They came to the grave without a hope of resurrection. They came to the grave and, and were startled and astonished that Jesus' body was gone. But John says, I looked and I saw the grave cloths and I saw the, the, the wrapping that was on his head folded and lying there. He looked and believed. He believed the physical absence that he believed the evidence, the physical absence of the body of Christ. 
When they came to the tomb, they were not thinking resurrection. But when they left the tomb, at least John believed. They believed the physical evidence first. And all those who come to saving faith in Christ, since Jesus' disciples then, can also believe in this physical evidence because of these eyewitnesses. We can believe in Christ because of those eyewitnesses on that day and their testimony recorded for us in God's Word, even though we have never seen the risen Christ. We have those who have testified for us in God's Word that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Praise God. Now, lest we criticize Mary Magdalene and the disciples for their failure to believe before being presented with the evidence, I don't think we would have been any different. Let's not forget that we are privileged as we look to Christ today when we believe we are given the revealing work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and His truth revealing work in our hearts. We are privileged to have. We have also the Old and the New Testaments complete. But even now, with the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers, how often we're like Mary, how often we're like the disciples. Some of us have heard the teachings of Jesus for many years, and we're quite familiar with the teachings of God's Word, but sometimes we're so familiar. We start to overlook the fact that God's promises were not only intended for the people of Jesus' day, but they were also intended for God's people of this day. And not only does He want his people in that day to look and believe he wants his people in this day to look and behold and believe and have faith. His promises are true. God's promises in his word are for your instruction and encouragement. Jesus wants you to look to his word today and believe and obey. God's Word calls us to walk by faith, not by fear. What was the first thing we saw in Mary Magdalene when she came to the tomb? It wasn't faith, it was fear. And that would be us. <laughs> but praise God. God is gracious to give us His Holy Spirit when we have faith in Him. He gives us His, His Spirit to reveal light and truth. And He shows us Himself holy in His Word. And when we read it with, with believing eyes and hearts and minds, He encourages us and ennobles us to walk by faith and not by fear. Mary and the disciples didn't believe that Jesus would rise from the dead on that day. They came to the tomb looking, and when they did not find Him, they were convinced that His body had been stolen. Now John doesn't tell us if Peter looked and believed, but he wants us to know that he saw, he saw the evidence, and he believed. And then he says in verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, as I said, Mary Magdalene wasn't even thinking resurrection. It was clear in what she first did when she saw the empty tomb, running to tell Peter and John that she didn't think resurrection. She's thinking stolen body. It's clear here in verse 11 also. Look at verse 11 again. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. 
Peter and John have gone, but not Mary Magdalene. It was to Mary first that Jesus chose to reveal himself. We don't know when she returned, but it could be she followed the men back and maybe arrived after they had left. Now she stands by the tomb weeping. She she stoops down to glimpse inside. It's interesting that Jesus chooses to visit Mary Magdalene first, I think. It's not as though she was more special, so to speak, than any of the others. If it were up to us, if we were writing this account, and we were placing the order of events the way we wanted them, we we might write that Jesus appeared to the apostles first, those important apostles, right? Those closest followers of Jesus. But no, he, he chose Mary Magdalene. He chose her to first show himself to after his resurrection. And I think in that simple act of condescension, there is a powerful reminder of the love of Jesus Christ for ordinary people. How encouraging. It encourages me. Sometimes I think I'm extraordinarily ordinary. How about you, right? But yet, God saw fit to pour out His wrath for my sin on His Son. Jesus condescends to this ordinary woman to let her see Him first. So here's Mary weeping, glimpsing into the tomb, and what does she see? She sees two messengers of the Lord first, verse 12 says, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Of course, they have a question for her. Verse 13 tells us they ask her why she's weeping. I always love that. When when God's people encounter his messengers, they're always like, fear not, or why are you crying, or don't, you know, don't worry, right? Why are you weeping? Verse 13, she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And then it may be that, can I make this up? The angels kind of look and see Jesus there, right? I don't know. But it may have been that they stirred and she glances over her shoulder at the movement beyond her. Verse 14 says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. I can see how that might happen. I've been known to walk by people I know in Walmart. I apologize to those of you who have noticed that. It's so easy to do when you're out, right? She glances and really isn't looking for facial features. We don't know why Mary didn't recognize Jesus. It could have been the tears in her eyes. It could have been that that he looked quite different than when she saw him disfigured and tortured on the cross. It's likely, though, that there's something different about Jesus. I say that because she wasn't the only one who didn't recognize him at first. There are others who don't see Jesus when they see him until he speaks to them. Mary may have just given a quick glance, but then in verse 15, we hear Jesus' words to her. Jesus says, verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Her answer again shows us she didn't recognize him. 
She just wants to know where the body of Jesus is. She's still not thinking resurrection. She's still thinking, where have they taken my Lord? Verse 15 goes on to say, Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you, you have laid him, and I will take him away. She's still not thinking resurrection. But then there is one word Jesus speaks, and everything changes. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary, and then she knew. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher. And apparently she turned and at the same time grabbed him. What a sweet and joyous response from Mary Magdalene at the sight of her Lord, yes? And here are the precious words of Jesus for her and the others. I don't think he is scolding here. here. I think he's teaching. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You see, Jesus has a precious message for her to take to the others. But first he makes it clear that she can't keep clinging to him. Why? Well, it's it's not as if he's saying, take your hands off me. (laughs) I think the idea here is that Jesus wants Mary to see very clearly that she will not have his physical presence any longer. Just for a short time now, and then he'll be gone. You're not going to see me again. Very soon you will not see me again, I think is the idea. And not only that, but though Mary may see him now, He's not risen from the dead to return to the same way of doing things. And that's clear from the message he gives her to take to the disciples. By sending them this message, he's making it very clear, first of all, that he has indeed risen from the dead. Secondly, he wants them to know that he will soon be ascending to his Father. And third, that they also will see him again. His message in verse 17 is, I am ascending to my Father. You can't keep clinging to me, Mary. I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm going to ascend to my Father. I'm ascending to my Father. Tell the others this. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. In other words, because I have risen from the dead, you too will live. Believe and live. Because I have risen, you too will rise from the dead. You too will live. Because I go to my Father, you too will go to your Father. And then verse 18 says, and this is a sweet response for Mary, a precious response. She doesn't linger. It says in verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. You see, Jesus needs no epitaph. What Mary did, God's children are to be doing today. Have you seen the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word? Have you seen the risen Savior revealed to you in God's Word? Have you looked and believed? Have you gone? Have you told others, I have seen? 
I have seen the Lord. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what He has done. Jesus needs no epitaph. He has His people today. He lives. He lives in His people. His Spirit dwells in you if you are His. He speaks to Mary Magdalene. He sends a precious, hope-filled, promise-filled message to His disciples. And He tells His disciples in every age to take that message to the world. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And God wants us to take the message to the world. I have seen the Lord Jesus Christ. I have seen Him in His Word. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been washed, cleansed from my sin because He paid the price. God wants His people in every age to take that message to the world, as John 3.15 says, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Look. Look at the evidence. Look to Jesus. Look to His Word. And believe. Believe. And carry that message this week with you wherever you go. I love Mary's words here. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. He is risen. 